views and opinions expressed on Explorer Secrets of the Truth or that of their guests or contributors are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. All information on Explorer Secrets of the Truth is provided in good faith, however, we make no representation or warranty of any kind, express or implied, regarding the accuracy, adequacy, validity, reliability, availability, or completeness of any information on this talk show or website. From monsters and ghosts to otherworldly beings, join the explorers as they venture into the darkest realms, seeking the truth to what goes on in the night. Good evening, and welcome to Explorer's Secrets of the Truth, episode 67. Tonight's topic is cursed movies. Mm -hmm. Tonight, as always, I'm joined by my best friend and co-host, Les Sincavage. How are you doing this evening, Les? Awesome, buddy. How about you? Uh, doing pretty good. So That's good. Let's uh, tell the audience where they can reach us. Yes, because that is very important for those that are tuning in. You could... Reach us on on YouTube, uh, where we go live, which we're going live there tonight. Hopefully that th the feed is actually live because, you know, we, we have a tendency to get dropped on either Facebook or YouTube. And that's the other location is on Facebook. You could reach us live at, on Facebook as well at Explorer Seekers of the Truth. Um, while the show is live, if you comment underneath the show, we should be able to see it on the back end in the uh, interface that we use, and we should be able to reply to you live during the show. You can find us on X, or formerly known as Twitter, at Explorers Group, um, on our website, which I have to do a lot of updating to the website, uh, but it is ExplorersGroup.com. So Facebook, YouTube, Twitter or X and our website explorersgroup.com are the many places. Hey, Cindy. All right. So we got one comment that came in from Facebook. So thank you so much for tuning in tonight, Cindy. We appreciate it. So that's it. That's where you could reach us. <laughs> so tonight we'll be talking about cursed movies and the people who are affected by them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, before you go on, Chad and I were talking about this. Actually, Chad got in touch with me um, a few weeks ago about this topic, and we went on at great length. Uh, I think it was like a two-and-a-half-hour-long phone conversation that we were talking about this, and I was psyched. So I hope tonight's show is just as, as exciting as it was for when he and I were first talking about it, which I think it will be. Yeah, hopefully. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise, we, otherwise, we really start taping the phone conversations and just putting them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should start ca calling it like crypto coffee talk and then start doing our, our, our behind-the-scenes phone conversations that we have off-air. And, and maybe we'll, we'll start a Patreon for those who'd want to tune in for that. Yeah, Let us know in the comments if you guys think that'd be a good idea if you'd want to hear our behind-the-scenes conversations because they're a lot more in-depth and I'd say a little bit more weird than what we do in our live show. 
yeah, we probably have to self-edit a few things that we do <laughs> oh, say. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. But, uh, we get in trouble. So a lot of people know like the movie The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. And there is one really creepy like part of the exorcist that isn't necessarily in the film it's not a scary part of the movie uh -huh. but there's a gentleman by the name of paul batson who appeared as the radiology technician in the scene mm -hmm. from the uh, movie the original in 1973 um in 79 batson was convicted of murder of a film industry journalist addison Verrill. Hmm. And he was sentenced to uh, 20 years in prison, and then he was released on parole in 2003. Um, but Batson was actually also believed to be the um, bag murderer, hmm. which for people who don't know the, the bag murderer story, um, it was a series of unsolved slayings of um, gay men in Manhattan. Hmm. And it went on um if you've ever seen the movie cruising with al pacino i have not okay well <laughs> it, the the movie is uh al pacino plays an undercover cop who goes into the um leather like uh leather subculture bars in new york during the i think it was like based in the 70s mm -hmm. and um He's kind of kind of like the bar that was parodied in Police Academy, the Blue Oyster Bar. Yes, yes, very okay. much so. Um, but he goes on, as an undercover cop trying to find this this murderer. Mm -hmm. Well, this Batson is actually believed to have been the murderer. The only problem is they couldn't um, get enough evidence to tie him to these murders. Okay, but um, the director uh, William Friedkin. Friedkin, who mm -hmm. directed, I believe, yeah, he directed The Exorcist, also directed the movie Cruising in 1980. So interesting. It, it, that's not one of the, that's not the only like strange story with The Exorcist, but I thought that was a kind of a good entry point. Um, the Exorcist, I mean, a lot of people know, you know, like the movie set caught on fire, all except for the bedroom they used. Mm -hmm. Regan's bedroom, the other stories of like at the filming and or at the um premiere in Italy, the theater sat between two churches, and the one church was over 400 years old. Lightning hit the crucifix on top of the church and it fell off and almost killed people. Jesus, you know, <laughs> so I, I think that's kind of uh overly done when it comes to this kind of stuff a lot of people have talked about the exorcist and the curses that go along with it it is so good though so for those oh. who don't who don't know about that look it up for sure because yeah but that that's not one that we're going to be covering tonight like chad said mm -hmm. but tonight we wanted to start with a relatively well-known example of a cursed movie so everyone remembers the movie poltergeist this was released in 1982. The original Poltergeist was directed by Toby Hopper or Hooper, I, I guess. Hooper? Hooper. I guess. Yeah, Hooper. And like our buddy, Josh Hooper. Uh, and was pronounced by uh, or produced by Spielberg. And uh, it was an instant success. Of course, if you haven't seen the Poltergeist, please go see it. It's phenomenal. And it is considered to be a masterpiece of the American horror cinema. 
And the film focuses on the Freelings, a middle-class family led by youthful, dashing Craig T. Nelson, um, which he was probably, maybe, some people, I don't know, this might be dating me as well, but he was in the TV show Coach. What was he in recently? I can't, I think he was in the movie Propo The Proposal with uh, Ryan Reynolds and um, Sandra Bullock. He was the dad. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But he was the dad in that movie. movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like a chick flick. Um, so uh, he, uh, whose life was upturned when a number of paranormal and vicious events occurred in their California home and their daughter, Carol Ann, is abducted through the bedroom closet by a group of ghosts who are under the control of a monster demon called the Beast. Yeah. Which is pretty creepy. Mm -hmm. It was a great movie, too. Oh, um, now, why... Why do people say this movie is cursed really comes down to the death of four cast members that happened mm -hmm. uh, soon after the film. Well, soon after the first two films were released or around in between. Yeah. And, you know, of course, these are all very tragic deaths. And we do, you know, want to be respectful about, you know, talking about them. Yeah. So we're going to get into the um carol ann who is played by heather o'rourke mm -hmm. and of course she's you know the focal point like less out of the movie um she was only six when that movie was released which is kind of kind of crazy to think about because that movie and now granted i mean i'm sure things are completely different behind the scenes where it's not i mean obviously there's scary stuff on set and everything like that, but it, you, it's more controlled, I guess. But I, I would imagine like a six years old with a lot of the stuff, especially having to act in a lot of those parts, that had to be terrifying and really like do some psychological damage. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's gotta be, I mean, I, I understand there are laws and limits to what children, child actors can actually be exposed to, but yeah, I mean, it's still even if you're not exposed directly to some of it it's got to be creepy to know like oh there's gonna be a light in this closet but when in the movie when you look into the closet there's a face in there or something you know yeah yeah, yeah. Where, where when she maybe was doing the role she's just looking at a light in the closet and there's nothing there and they're like okay act scared when the light comes on yeah yeah but you know as that goes you know definitely would be kind of creepy mm -hmm. but if you remember her she was that little star-haired blonde girl kind of like a little doll oh she she's those, adorable yeah adorable. she had those big inquisitive eyes and mm -hmm. you know the the sad thing is she was actually uh misdiagnosed with crohn's disease in 1987 and the following year when she fell ill her symptoms were related to the flu but she actually suffered uh, cardiac arrest a few days after being treated for the flu, uh, flu mm -hmm. and had to be airlifted to a child, uh, children's hospital in San Diego. And she actually passed away during an operation. She actually had a bowel obstruction, which they had misdiagnosed as Crohn's. Mm. And, um, you know, it's very sad to think, you know, a misdiagnosis on a, a girl who at the time might have been seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It might have actually been some congenital intestinal abnormalities. That's, mm -hmm. that's one of the theories that kind of have been put out there later that like it was a genetic condition. And, you know, even with proper treatment, she might not have had a long life. But 
Yeah. Again, she passed away very, very young. Yeah, and then she was so cute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she, I mean, for a six year old to play in that movie, I don't, you know, I've never watched any behind the scenes things on it, but she could act for a six year old and convey like terror and, you know, oh, like, yeah. Just childlike, childlike innocence in that, you know. I mean, she was a child, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, like, you're right. But how how do you get a child to 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 convey that? You're right. Oh my god, she nailed yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, it was just, that'd be like Kaylee, my, yeah. my daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trying to do that. Oh my god. Yeah. So I mean, like you you have definitely what would have maybe been a promising career if she you know doesn't get pigeonholed into the she's a poltergeist girl much like yeah yeah. Um, Linda Blair kind of got pigeonholed into the the whole being uh, Re, uh, Reagan from yeah the, uh, from the Exorcist Exorcist, yeah. but yeah. which phenomenal acting in that as well too. Yeah, and I think she was like fifteen or yeah, yeah, she was pretty young. Time. Yeah, I think yeah. she might have been younger because I think she was fifteen in the follow up where they were. She was in like that laboratory or something like yeah. that. You know, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, she was probably about thirteen in the original. Mm -hmm. But then you also come to uh, Dominique Dunn, who's also in the movie. She played the older sister, Dana, mm -hmm. yep. in that movie. And, of course, in 1982, she was separated from her partner, uh, John Sweeney. And in November of that year, he shows up at her house pleading for her to take him back and basically they get into a domestic she refuses uh sweeney grabs her around the neck and chokes her until she's unconscious and then left her to die in her hollywood home right in the driveway oh my god and he was only sentenced to six and a half years in prison but was released after three years and seven months what how is uh, that even possible Probably manslaughter being uh, involuntary manslaughter at like six and a half years. Um, it's a crime of passion. So, so he probably pled that, you know, it was a heat of the moment. It wasn't planned out that way. So temporary insanity. Yeah. He walks on that. I mean, God, that's fucked up. If it wasn't for Francis Scott Key's grandson, I mean. What, what do you mean? He was the first one to ever do it. Killed oh, his really? Wife. Killed his wife and I believe her lover, and then pled temporary insanity, which brought about the charge of manslaughter. He also is responsible for the gate that's around the cemetery at Gettysburg, at the National Cemetery. Hmm. Which, odd tidbit, is supposedly the same fence that he actually killed the lover up against. And actually, he had it transferred up there. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Look, that that's a weird one, but yeah, that's supposedly the story is that gate is actually, or that fence is actually part of it is the spot where he, nobody knows which part, but they yeah, say yeah. it's the the uh, gate of the fence. That's then crazy. you have people like um, Julian Beck and William Sampson. They were two other mm -hmm. cast members who had unfortunate deaths. Um, now there's, they're not as yeah, they were a little bit older and stuff like that, so it's not mm -hmm. as unexpected or mysterious. Um, Julian Beck played the evil uh, preacher Cain <laughs> from the second Poltergeist. Dude, that guy still, like, looking back on, on that, that that old man still gives me the chills. Like, I, I, 
he was freaky, period. Yeah. Like, you couldn't have get a, a better person to play that role. Yeah, and uh, actually was diagnosed with stomach cancer, which shortly after they finished the second movie um, is when he passed away. Hmm. That's unfortunate. And then um, William Sampson, who played Taylor, the Native American shaman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he died um, undergoing a heart and lung transplant. Jesus. But again, a heart and lung transplant has a very slim survival rate. I would imagine so, yeah. So, you know, two of the older cast members, you know, one has stomach cancer, one dies in a very risky surgery. So tragic, but not necessarily, like, unexpected. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you wouldn't expect a yeah, six-year-old to have some sort of a uh, an issue like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or or a domestic, you know, violence that turns into a, you know, right. homicide. Yeah, those were kind of, uh, what do you call them? Uh, like, when a, when a person dies uh, before their time kind of thing, where, and there'd be, like, a residual haunting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But still, it's still weird. Even though those guys were older and stuff like that, I mean, to have that, to have to have a heart and lung transplant, like, how does that happen? I, like, I wonder. I, I'm curious. Did did the need for that arise during and after the time of the movie, or was this something predating the movie that was like a, a almost like a hereditary condition? And even with the, the stomach cancer, with the older gentleman who played the uh, creepy pastor or preacher. Did that happen during the time of the movie and, and thereafter? Or was that stomach cancer something that had been known about? And, you know, because he was super skinny in that movie. So it almost kind of like looked like something was wrong. You know what I mean? For lack of better terms. Well, I mean, if he dying shortly after the movie was completed, I assume maybe he was battling it, battling it at the time. And it was kind of his final work. You know, yeah. you see a lot of these actors go out and do that last film where, the, you know, you can see it in their their face and you can see it in the way they move that there's something wrong. But, you know, they're doing that last that last masterpiece to be remembered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, what a way to go. Yeah. Jeez. Like Bella Lugosi and, you know, some other actors over the years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they just you could see something wasn't right. I mean, maybe, you know, at the time wasn't discussed in public, you know, mm -hmm. a very different time where there's not social media, where everybody's commenting. Knows about, everybody's business. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and look at the young man who played in the uh, Black Panther. Oh, Chadwick Bosman, I think his name was. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he went from, you know, super in, in shape to all of a sudden looking thin and everybody was like, oh, he must be on drugs or he must be this or that. Yeah. And the poor Literally guy. They know the poor guy. Yeah. Yeah. Is dying, but he's putting on a brave face and going out in public. Yeah. Poor so guy. he played on. that part really well too, by the way. Oh yeah. The sad one is when they do that interview where he says, I'll be dead. So I don't know what's going on in the next movie. Yeah. God, and people didn't realize like he was telling them like no I'll I'll, I'll be dead yeah, like yeah, I yeah. won't be alive but 
you know, so let's get off the sad stuff here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's other strange things that kind of happened on set, you know, and, and kind of creepy legends with the film franchise. Uh, Joe Beth Williams, who had played the mom in the first two films. Mm-hmm. And this is a claim. I don't know how substantial it really is. Claim that director Spielberg insisted on using actual human skeletons as props in an attempt to save money. At the time, they were way cheaper than plastic skeletons. <laughs> now, this claim has that, never been verified. That that was the scene at towards the end when she was stuck in the hole that they were digging for the swimming pool, and they yeah. were the body. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the bodies were coming up from uh, underneath the ground as the water filled up that pool. And for, for those who haven't seen it, the, yeah. the uh, coffins were um, surfacing through the, the, the wet ground and then they were popping up as a, the mom was stuck in the water. Oh, that was a creepy scene. And oh, if that cool. was real, oh, cause you imagine like your, that water's going in your mouth. Yeah. So I you're, mean, you're getting that dead body water in your mouth. Well, <laughs> What what's the line from the movie? You move the headstones, not the bodies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. God. that was my Craig T. Nelson. I hope you liked it. <laughs> that was beautiful. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh my God, I want so, to watch this movie again now. Yeah, I probably should go back and watch some of these at, at some point. But now, finally, in kind of like a another creepy little facet of this whole story was Samson, who we had mentioned earlier who had passed away during the heart and lung transplant. Um, he did a real life authentic exorcism oh, wow. on the film set after they wrapped up the one night. So of course that, you know, kind of creeps out people on the set and stuff like that. Like it wasn't being filmed. He just kind of broke out his gear and, you know, he had real life, medicine man training and started going into this you know exorcism so you know he maybe he recognized something about what was around them or you yeah know, yeah noticed something rid of it interesting interesting oh yeah, yeah. i definitely want to watch this again because the poltergeist just from beginning to end just draws you in and and the special effects for a movie of that time i still think were phenomenal yeah. like when that when the the beast or whatever it was that that creature that was coming out of the closet and stuff like oh my god that was so good now fact, if i go back and watch it again it's probably gonna be like what the hell did i say <laughs> I, I i just I am I'm going to broach this with kid gloves. The fact that the thing about the movie coming the thing that you remember most about the special effects is something coming out of the closet. I'm just letting it at that. <laughs> well, watch the movie, ladies and gentlemen. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So now, Cindy, Cindy has a question here. She says, Do you think that when movies here, I'm gonna pop it up so I can read it better? Do you think that when movies making or recreating something like horror films, movies can attract evil spirits towards the set and people. Um, I would say, yeah. I, I mean, it seems to be in a lot of cases that a lot of these um, films that that we're going to be talking about tonight and some others, I think we mentioned in, in one of the past shows about um, The Conjuring. Even mm -hmm. that yeah, movie. We... Go ahead. You, you knew more about it 
Yeah, the the Conjuring movie was filmed, I believe it was like in Georgia at a house. You know, of course, it's not filmed at the original house there. But um, the film set had issues once the Perone family came to the set. Mm -hmm. Like they had like, I think a light thing fall and almost kill somebody. (laughs) They had like weird audio issues like cameras malfunctioning and they said it was basically just when the prone family was there and kind of like talking to the director and stuff like that or talking to the cast members and stuff like that stuff was like fall behind people like things that have been rigged up for weeks all of a sudden just would come crashing down or they'd go to like light the set and the lights wouldn't work or the power would go out where they were filming so, didn't you say something along the lines when when the the actual family members were writing sort of memoir esque parts for the script? Like one would write something and they wouldn't communicate with the other one, and then that other one would almost like pick up exactly where the other one left off, and it was almost like they were continuing on each other's thought process. Yeah, actually, when um, oh, I can't remember the the prone daughter who actually like formulated the idea of writing the book, I skipping and might have been andrea prone um mm-hmm. she had like started the idea and kind of got her sisters involved in it and they were writing like they were all in different parts of the country and they would like email her the the stories that they were like that they could remember or things that happened to them and stuff like that and what it was was like one sister would write the story of like something flying across the room. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the other sisters would then a day or two later email the, her story part in, but it would be the same story talking to each other about what they were writing. They were just like, Hey, I thought of this story from when we were kids and they, but it was like, they were writing it from their their perspectives each, but almost like simultaneously writing it mm-hmm. without communicating what one another were writing about. So yeah, a lot of the book that became, you know, used to make the conjuring plot, you know, storyline comes from them kind of just um there's a term for it, but I can't remember what it is, but basically writing the same things without connectives and yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. like each one was writing the story from their perspective but they're writing the same stories around the same time within a couple of days of each other almost and like a telepathic kind of thing like a telepathy yeah yeah there's a there's a term like um where like two people opposite ends of the country write the same joke but never heard the other one do or start the joke and they both write the similar joke. There's a term for it, but like a almost like a doppelganger, but not a doppelganger. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, along yeah. the theory lines of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they were they weren't in communication directly, but they were writing like point of view stories. But they were the same events that were popping in their heads at the same time within a day or two. She'd get from one sister 
her point of view on it and another sister correlating from their point of view what happened yeah yeah and confirming stuff so yeah i mean there's a lot of stuff that went into even that you know filming and all that and there's many many films that quote unquote would qualify as cursed films yeah yeah we talked about a couple or at mm. least that one with uh cursed objects show yeah yeah so let's get on to the next movie yes omen mm -hmm. yeah the plot of the film is relatively straightforward it's uh, a baby boy is taken by a diplomat and his wife turns out to be the antichrist and all manner of death and misfortunes surround him I do. I'm doing this for you, Damien. <laughs> That's the only part That's of that movie good. I remember, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Reminds me of a few of my birthday parties, but okay. Not as lavish, but somebody always committing suicide. <laughs> so, oh. you like, sorry. No, sorry. Um, you know, in in this, you have suicides, lightning strikes, plane crashes, bombings that all curse the production of the movie The Omen. Jesus. And this kind of leaves this very eerie trail of tragic events to the point even the animals on set had strange um, moments. Yeah, the, the most tragic parallel uh, event was the real-life decapitation of Liz Moore uh, which mirrored a similar scene actually in the film. Yeah, I think we will kind of get a little more into that as we go. Mm -hmm. um, so the tale begins in, in September of 1975 when the lead actor in the movie, Gregory Peck, was flying to London. Mm -hmm. And during his flight, the plane was struck by lightning. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, it, it is odd, but it isn't unheard of. You know, it is right, something but... that happens occasionally. Mm -hmm. Now, shortly after that, executive producer Mace Newfield, mm -hmm. the plane he was on in route to Los Angeles to do some press work for the movie was also struck by lightning. Oh my God. Then it gets better. <laughs> then the writer, David Seltzer's plane, was also struck by lightning. Three's a charm. And while filming a scene in Rome, lightning nearly missed striking the producer Harvey Bernard. Wow. Four. Four. Of the top, like the key players of this screenplay. Yeah. So like, yeah, like planes getting struck by lightning, like we said, odd, but does happen. Yeah, but, but for three of them. Three of them. <laughs> plane plane rides almost became deadly now the the producer is filming a scene in rome and mm -hmm. almost gets hit like while just shooting a scene that is it, you can't that. yeah yeah you can't just write that one off yeah because I, mean, I mean what do they say your uh your chances of winning the lottery or, or getting struck by lightning is better than winning the lottery or vice versa or something like that the odds of you getting struck by lightning is better than you the odds of you get winning the lottery yeah 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 but still and that's still like worse than one in a million odds you know what i mean yeah oh yeah talk about the animals though that's the part that i thought was really cool 
Okay. So while filming, there's several animals that are involved in the um, movie. And like the Rottweilers that are the hellhounds that are sent to protect Damien. Mm -hmm. Now, these are all very trained movie dogs who, you know, never really caused problems until the filming of this movie. And they, on several occasions, would attack their trainers and even seriously um, injured one of the stunt people, Terry Walsh. Uh, despite his preparation, so I guess he had probably had a sleeve under a coat, and mm-hmm. I think the dog actually attacked the other arm. Jeez. Yeah. So then you also got um, there's a scene where they're driving um, the, uh, Damien and the uh, Kathy Thorne, who's um, Leah Remnick in the movie, and Harvey mm-hmm. Spencer Stevens. So they're in the car driving through the safari park. Well, there was baboons that were supposed to be in the scene. But the actual reaction you see in the movie Mm -hmm. is a real reaction because the baboons weren't supposed to attack them. They were just supposed to become agitated as they were driving by. In the movie, these baboons just went nuts and attacked the car. Yeah. Yeah. So the actual uh, Remnick's like response is an actual response of terror. You know, because bab- I mean, they're baboons. They're, they can yeah, be super dangerous. Jesus, their, yeah. their canines are like four inches long. Yeah. So her reaction on film is like genuine terror. It's not a, oh my God, great acting job. No, that's real life. Like, this ain't supposed to happen. Yeah. Like, this isn't, you know, this isn't the scene, but all of a sudden they're stuck and they can't, get, you know, they can't get the, the baboons back. They're going nuts and they're trying to attack them through the car. Oh my God. So that, that, that can't be coincidence. No, I don't think so. I mean, you got dogs who are trained, you know, for scenes in this, I mean, you got to figure these dogs. I've worked with dogs. I mean, I know how well trained mm-hmm. they can be. Um, you know, trained to do certain things, and then all of a sudden to completely disregard what they've been doing a hundred times and being rewarded for. To all of a sudden, you get them on film and they attack the stunt man instead of just biting him on the the sleeved arm, which you know he was probably feeding to the dogs in the scene and they took his other arm. So now that's not the only animal stuff that goes on in this movie. Day after filming some of the zoo scenes, Mm -hmm. the zookeeper who had worked on the movie, like helping with the animals and stuff like that, he was killed by one of the lions at the zoo. What? Yeah. Um, It was the day after they had wrapped filming in the zoo. And I guess he was neither going in to feed or were, they were doing something to move him around or something like that. And the lions just attacked him. 
and this guy, I mean, this guy was a professional zookeeper, like had worked with these lions and he wasn't just for the movie. He was yeah, the yeah. zoo guy and these lions had never, no, I mean, of course they're lions. They're, you know, they're doing what lions do, but they had never shown aggression like this before. So hmm. they ended up attacking him. Interesting. Cindy raises another a good question here. Do you think animals are more susceptible to evil spirits entering or controlling them than humans? I would probably say yes. I mean, they're, they're, I don't know about necessarily being possessed and controlled by them, but I, I definitely would say that animals are far more sensitive um, to the paranormal than we are. I think they're kind of on a different plane than we are with what they could see and what they could uh, sense. I, it's funny too, that we're talking about this because I've been, and I was telling you, Chad, uh, the other day that I've been hooked on those YouTube channels uh, with like the just strange videos and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And one of them that I was watching last night, and, and I will admit, I was watching them by myself while everybody else was sleeping. I, I kept hearing stuff in the kitchen, slumped down on my sofa, <laughs> had my hoodie up and everything. I was like, oh God, I hope nobody comes down and sees me like this. But uh, did you have the blanket watching, over your head? I, I, almost, almost. But um, and it was funny too because I was watching my dog to make sh to to see if she would react to any of these noises, and she didn't. So I'm like, all right, it's probably just you know the pipes or something. But the YouTube channel that I was watching, uh, I think it was like uh, a compilation of scariest videos of 2021 or something like that, and it was a lot of the videos were um, people's dogs and cats and stuff reacting to things that were caught on. CCTV or whatever to close circuit right. uh, television or, or you know uh, security cameras yeah. yeah security cameras yeah and uh, yeah so a lot of these animals were going like crazy and the people that were either involved in them were like oh what's the matter with you what's the matter with you and the dogs were I mean the one was like a pit bull and he was like barking down a dark hallway and the, the hair was standing up straight down from like neck to tail and swirling around the bed going crazy the other one there was a cat that kept like looking off down the hallway and then you could see something like it, it looked human-like but it was like really narrow and and i don't know it looked like a can shape but you could see like reflective eyes and like the hands came it was just freaking weird um but yeah, so a lot of animals were reacting to that. And I, I would definitely say that they are far more aware of things than we are. So well, yeah, long I mean, story. I, I've mentioned before with uh, my Belgian Malinois Rex, mm -hmm. when I lived in the Miner's Little House by myself, and I had the sofa in the living room where, my, where I would lay my head was against the door looking down the hallway towards your old room so i couldn't see the hallway when i lay down i i remember when we lived there i can never understand how and why you would lay with your head on that end because if i don't see it it's not there oh god but yeah. i would i would i would lay there and i had the tv where you and i used to have it so i'd be laying looking across the room so like I'd lay this way so I couldn't see anything over here. He would come up and lay on my chest. Now this is a Belgian Malinois for anybody who's familiar with what they are. It was a 
patrol dog. dog. Yeah. He was mean and crazy. He would lay on my chest, hold me down, and start growling, looking down the hallway. Mm. And just, like, he would push me down like he was protecting me. And his teeth, I mean, he was nuts to start with, but he would start snarling and the teeth would come out. And he'd just be staring at a spot somewhere down that hall. I would never get up and look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I said, if I don't see it, it ain't there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he used to do that. Um, so yeah, they're definitely, I would say, more susceptible or more yeah. um, aware of things like that. Um, now you also got to think like with uh, Cindy's question there, think about like witch mythology, um, evil sorcery, you know, animals, vampires turning into bats and wolves, yep. you know, witches yep. always having animal familiars. Turning into oh, cats. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily that they're, you know, entering, but yes, definitely some kind of control. I would, mm -hmm. you know. They, they would do I the would, bidding. Yeah. I would lead to believe there's some kind of connection to certain animals and, you know, evil. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you think about what took place, I, I, yeah, I would say to her point, something was um, swaying them or controlling them to do what they were trained not to do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So now we have talked about planes. Les, you want to talk about another plane incident yes, there? Yes, yes. Speaking of planes, as you said, the aforementioned lightning strike was the only was not the, the only uh, first plane-related tragedy connected to The Omen's filming. The, uh, the planned filming of an action scene for The Omen was delayed, uh, and this meant that uh, Peck was not needed on the set, so a private jet that the crew was going to charter to bring Peck back... Um, was not necessary so the plane they had intended to book hit a flock oh my god hit a flock of birds and crashed killing everyone on board so while that tr was tragic enough the plane struck a car driving along the road as it came crashing down killing and I i'm not laughing but i just because of what happened i'm laughing because it's just so freaking crazy it killed everyone in the car so everybody in the plane everybody in the car and the people in the car were the the wife and two children of the plane's pilot. <laughs> Jesus, you can't make this stuff up. You cannot make this up. Yeah, I mean, you have so many plane-related issues, um, you know, and then the pilot, you know hits a flock of birds they're crashing and not only does he die but then he also the car he hits just you know randomly happens to be the car his wife is driving away from dropping him off at the airport with his children their children with his, with their children in the car yeah a random routine <sighs> flight and it wasn't even supposed to be that flight right it was supposed to be a different flight but they it got it was delayed so they go on this private jet, which they weren't intended to be on. It just, again, too many random events that, yeah. that just are not coincidence. But another tragic situation regarding the plane, uh, the team was uh, to use for an 
an aerial shot. In a last-minute change of plans, the aircraft they were slated to fly was switched out, and the Omen's original aircraft was used by a group of businessmen instead, and all of whom were killed when the plane crashed immediately after taking off. Yeah, this this whole... If I was part of this movie, the last thing I'd ever do is get on an airplane, ever. Right, right. I mean, I don't even think I'd get in a car, too, because it'd be your luck that, oh, that was the plane you're supposed to be on. Takes you out. Yeah. So now, at the time of filming in London, they were under a rash of explosions that were set by the IRA, which at the time was not uncommon. But again, there's incidences that tie to this this movie. Mm-hmm. Mace Newfield, who was probably already on edge from his plane being struck by lightning, was planning it to eat at a nearby restaurant, but it, there was no seats available because it was gutted by a bomb. What? Yeah, it was it, the restaurant he, he had um, had made uh, reservations at before he got there was gutted by an explosion. Oh my god. The day after filming, the hotel that director Richard Donner had stayed in was also bombed. My God. So, you, I mean, you have multiple people, airplane-related lightning issues, two bombings that just happened to be connected to the filming of the movie jesus yeah so now i'll tell you this is probably the most tragic event tied to the curse and you had a mention earlier when we started this section about liz moore and she was an uh, assistant to john richardson who was the special effects designer for the film mm-hmm. the pair were driving through the netherlands and along the way they're involved they're involved in this horrific car accident mm-hmm Richardson escapes with minor injuries, but Moore was decapitated by a tire that smashed into the car. Which is a parallel to a death in the movie itself. In one scene, a photographer who's uh, helping Richard Thorne, who is Gregory Peck, uh, research Damien's origins, the character's name was was Keith Jennings played by David Warner is killed when he's decapitated by a sheet of glass falling off a construction vehicle while driving. I remember that scene. Yeah. Yeah. So now you want to make this horrific death, even creepier. This occurred on August 13th. um, 1976 right okay yep it was friday the 13th (laughs) they while driving had just passed a sign that said the town of omen 66 kilometers where that that sign is is actually 66.6 kilometers from the town of omen that is creepy. So you have right there, you have two um, historically known uh, numerological associations to, you know, dark entities or dark spirits or or just 
bad omens. Mm-hmm. That is weird. So, yeah. So now they do, they created a documentary mm-hmm. in around 2005 uh-huh. about the curse of the omen. The producer Alan uh, Alan Tyler Uh confessed that two different film crews in two different locations have the exact same technical difficulties with footage they filmed. Weird. Okay. Then go to 2006, the remake of the film. Okay, so now not just the original, but the remake has Mm -hmm. two separate instances. Um. The first befell an actor, Peter Poswait, brother. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You'd think somebody in Hollywood or anywhere that's an actor would shorten that to something like Post. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, right. Pete Post. Yeah. He died. His brother dies unexpectedly after being dealt three sixes in a poker game. Oh, okay. That is, again, bizarre. Mm-hmm. The second incident saw footage of the scene where actor Lee Shriver finds the devil's birthmark on Damien, mm-hmm. which is some 13,500 feet of film, gets destroyed inexplicably during the processing of it. Yeah, that is a massive amount of film to have (laughs) get screwed up. Well, also, it's during the processing. These are people who do this for a profession. How often do you think they lose 13,500 feet of film? Probably never. Yeah. But also just happens to be the part where he finds the birthmark. Yeah. The 666 or whatever that it is in the movie. Man, I want to watch this movie again. (laughs) Okay. Well, good news. Okay. There's a new movie that'll hit theaters April 5th, 2024, called The First Omen. It's a prequel to the original. Also, if you would like to watch the original Omen, it is currently streaming on Hulu. I'm going to have to check that out. Man, like... You you literally cannot make this stuff up. And it's fact. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Like, my logical brain wants to say, oh, this is all coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you said, the odds of getting struck, like, strike, a lightning strike, hitting yeah. a plane, is probably one in, say, one in a million. Right. Right? Happens four times, well, three times in three planes involved in this in people in this movie. Mm-hmm. A lightning strike on the ground during filming almost hits one of the producers of the movie. People, animals, strange reaction, like, oh yeah, highly know. trained animals, highly yeah. trained animals, all of a sudden have a weird reaction. Which, hey, I've seen dogs do some dumb shit. Yeah, that are well trained. I've seen them do some dumb shit. Um, 
I'm sure baboons are probably not the easiest things to train. Probably not. No. But like the lion or yeah, the lions that end up killing the zookeeper who worked with these lions for years and they never had these issues. Yeah. You know, you have footage being destroyed, the horrific death of, you know, 60, 66.6 miles outside of the town of Omen. Yeah. Somebody involved in the film is beheaded, decapitated, oh, that which is similar so to a scene from the movie. That's not a coincidence. Yeah. Well, also like... And again, three sixes in a poker game, the dude dies. Yeah. Friday the 13th. Yeah. Again, another supposed unlucky number. If you want to go back slightly before filming starts, Gregory Peck's son commits suicide. Mm. You know, the the airplanes, the, the guy, the pilot hits the birds and then crashes and kills his own kids and wife. God, oh my God. The the other plane, you know, being used that gets switched off to businessmen taking the plane instead of the film crew. And they all crashes, like doesn't even lift off the ground, they die. You know, how many deaths can you just attribute to this one movie? Right. And not even just that. And just the, the sheer subject of it of the movie you know what i mean it's like the son of satan more or less you know Mm -hmm. i mean come on this is just it's too too much and the fact that all these movies that have this correlation to evil uh you know suppose you know darkness uh supernatural I, i mean like poltergeist is one of the most you know uh, malevolent uh, spirits, if you will. You know what I mean? Like I, they're, they're most dangerous and and physical, uh, spiritual uh, phenomenon, if you will. Um, and then again, the omen talking about the son of Satan, just this the, the worst biblical character out there. You know, it's mm-hmm. just what is it? You know what I mean? Is is it just, uh, and I think Cindy had had mentioned it before, is it almost like uh, the subject matter is creating a manifestation of all this? Or is it just like you speak about the devil and the devil will come, you know? Speak of the devil, the <laughs> devil appears <laughs> looking for someone been looking for years and i'm all right chris isaac (laughs) uh uh, love good very good live performance if you ever get a chance to go see chris isaac folks it's well worth it at first concert i ever took my daughter to it was chris isaac and the wallflowers oh yeah um, music fest first i think it was the first concert my wife went to too i think i was actually at that one to be honest with you that at music fest yeah yeah we probably didn't see each other but probably could have you know yeah but but yeah i mean what what do you what do you think i i think it's too many things to be coincidence right 
Like there's two, I mean, yeah, okay. Like I said, my logical brain wants to write it all off as random happenstance, you know, things happen, but these are things that if you, I'm sure if we took 20 airline pilots who flew say transcontinental from United States to England, Europe, back and forth. Yeah. Probably all of them will say, yeah, I, our plane was hit by lightning, you know, on this date. Okay. But I'm sure not many of them can say, oh, twice the plane I was either flying on co-piloting or part of just travel was, you know, then all of a sudden you got three people involved in a movie whose planes get hit by lightning, several plane crashes, you know, the, not even like the IRA bombings. Now, of course this was during, you know, that time. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of bombings, but you start to throw like, Hey, I was about to go there and the place got, you know, had a bomb go off. The guy leaves the hotel the next day, the bomb goes off in the hotel. Yeah. You know, it, too much, too many random coincidences to be coincidental. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't believe you'd have that, that much stuff go on and not have some outside force acting upon it. Well, that's kind of to, to my point before, like, like, what do you think? Do you think like there, there is some sort of a supernatural conjuring for lack of better terms that would be associated to films like this? Like, well, it it seems that way. You know what I mean? Like I, I would go with what you said. Like you speak of the devil. It's going to show up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's quite literally with the omen. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's the thing. Like you're saying, the subject matter. Well, the subject matter is the birth of the Antichrist. Yeah, the devil probably would want to be known, like be part of this, be be some way connected to it. You know, I I I would say yeah, I'd say there's something. It, it's it's neither drawing the energy. Now I'm not saying, you know, necessarily it's the devil, but it's drawing negative energy, negative spirits into its, you know, vortex and it's creating something that's for sure. For sure. You know, evil. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's freaking crazy. Well, we are, right at the top of the hour or the bottom of the hour what do you call it when you're like your time's up the bottom of the hour top of the hour bottom i don't know show's almost over but we do have another movie to talk about and i say we just talk about oh i think we have to i I saved this one for last yes yes so (laughs) let me let me grab a sip of water before i get into this one yeah yeah so we covered the poltergeist in the first Part, first third of the show. The second third was The Omen. And now we're going to talk about Rosemary's Baby. That's right. So the original Rosemary's Baby stars Mia Farrow as a young wife living in Manhattan who becomes pregnant but soon begins to expect the elderly neighbors are a member of a satanic cult who are grooming her in order to use her babies, her baby for rituals. 
So we got to get in. We, we, we have to go back before Rosemary's baby is even a thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So IR 11, whose baby was due June 1966. Mm hmm started to have the number 666 just constantly rolling around in his head, seeing it in, you know, at different, like different things would, he would just happen to come across 666. So it started yeah. to basically form an outline for his new book, but he was very apprehensive about writing the book mm -hmm. about, you know, a, a young soon to be mother and a cult, that had plans for her child. Yeah. But he, he goes along with it. You know, he, he's a writer. He's, he's got this story idea. He wants to flesh it out. Mm -hmm. Well, he fleshes it out. The book gets rave reviews quickly optioned into a movie. Yeah. Like super fast. The book's released. It's within two or I think it was like within two years, it's already optioned to be a movie. Yeah. So now him and his wife, they soon divorce. And of course, this being a book about, you know, a satanic cult, the movie is denounced. The book is denounced by the Catholic church. Ira himself is considered one of the faces of evil and even gets to the point where he blames himself a lot mm -hmm. uh, for the rise of the satanic religion and occult practices like mm. the satanic panic he, he feels he's one of the people who kind of jump-started that yeah kind of brought it forefront and got it going even though it wasn't it's his a, intent it's a pretty heavy weight to put on your shoulders isn't it yeah i mean you wrote a book yeah you, know, you wrote a book people people well it happens a lot though yeah it does happen a lot with books um you know the guy who wrote fight club mm -hmm. his movie has been adopted by a group of people as a mantra for life and they're not exactly great people well they're yeah. not great people they're not don't put not exactly they're not mm -hmm. um but you know he He's taken a lot of that onto himself, but when you start, you start making something popular, mm -hmm. you know, back like skateboarding movies in the late eighties, early nineties, gleaming the cube, gleaming the cube. Yeah. What was it? Rad. Yeah. Oh yeah. The BMX Rad. bike movie or something like that. Uh huh. And airborne with the roller rollerbladers. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, that's everybody's a skater. Everybody's riding BMX bikes. Everybody's, you know, rollerblading, like aggressive yeah. inline skating. You know, so he's he's kind of at that, you know, was it all him? No. Were these people out there thinking these things prior? Probably some of them. Was, because I mean, satanic cults have been around since Forever. the beginning of time. Yeah, you know, pretty much. So did it maybe bring it back to the forefront, make it a little more socially acceptable? People weren't as, you know, let's burn the witch, you know, in that, in that time frame, mm -hmm. you know. 
but still created the panic, like you said, the satanic panic. It started to help. Yeah, it helped the, the, the snowball that was probably already rolling down the hill, gain traction and speed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So now while filming, there was no real issues while filming the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Robert Evans, who I believe was the producer or director, had this like strange feeling when he'd enter the apartment complex where the movie was filmed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, always had this, like, creepy kind of vibe to it to him and stuff like that. Yeah. But nothing, nothing major, right? So one year after the film is released, the film's composer falls off a cliff and is in a coma for four months before he dies. Jesus. Which, if anybody remembers the movie, is the same fate as Rosemary's friend is cursed with by the witches in the story weird so another another one of these things where people fall off cliffs all the time people get in car accidents all the time but when the movie that you're part of pre did um shows that death and then all of a sudden somebody associated with the movie suffers the same fate yeah well this is a set uh, the second horror movie with a a mirrored scene to reality life real life kind of situation yeah and i'm sorry i he was a foreign gentleman i think from like sweden or somewhere scandinavian i when i was writing my notes i completely blew past his actual name Mm. so he was the composer for i believe the the film scores and all that now you go to william castle Mm -hmm. who was a famous horror director from the 50s and 60s He's a or film producer, and uh-huh. he's originally slated to be the producer. And of course, he starts as soon as he signs on to this project, he starts getting tons of hate mail daily from hmm. people saying, This is horrible, you shouldn't do this. Da, 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 da. You know, well, he ends up developing kidney stones. Okay, now, you know everybody who's had a kidney stone knows it's very painful and all that. And there's different ways of treating them. Mm -hmm. Well, his treatment chosen was surgery. Uh So while he was in the hospital, he started to hallucinate at different points. He would just start hallucinating during his surgery on his kidney stones. He woke up, yelled out, the following line rosemary for god's sakes drop that knife which is a line from the book woke up from anesthesia yells this out line from the book goes falls back down goes right back to sleep that is bizarre now i have woken up while under anesthesia it my family for some reason it takes like enough to put an elephant to sleep twice to put us completely under i woke up during my knee surgery oh god um thank god they didn't they didn't have it open yet but Mm -hmm. they went to they grabbed the sheets to move you on to the operating table the nurses they start to grab i reached up and grabbed the nurse and started shaking her Jesus went back out. Don't remember. I wake up and I'm like, 
I looked at my dad. I'm like, did I happen to grab one of the nurses when they were like moving me? He's like, yeah, yeah, you did. You probably want to apologize. Oh my gosh. Well, um, how would you know? Well, you know that I mean? the, the loopy. Yeah. Yeah. The nurse was sweet about it. She's like, honey, you didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> I was mm -hmm. like, no, but I'm really sorry. Cause I mean, I was 245 pounds. This little nurse is probably like mm -hmm. a buck 10. <laughs> And she wasn't young, so I was probably giving her a good shaking. But so yeah, I mean, he woke up during surgery, which I like. I said I I've actually done it myself, where I was under, they yeah. moved me and were putting me onto the table, and I woke up. But he woke up and yelled out in one of the lines from the book. Yeah, you know. So evidently, the book was playing in his head. During while he was under, yeah, 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 man. So now, one of the more tragic parts of this story will focus on the late Sharon Tate. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tie this all into a big bow by the end of this, but Roman Plansky and Sharon Tate are married, right? Yep. Sharon Tate wanted to play Rosemary in the movie. Mm -hmm. Roman was one of the I believe the director for the movie the studio decided against um, Sharon playing the role and they chose Mia Farrell mm -hmm. now Tate does appear as an extra in the movie now of course people allege that at this point Tate starts to become or starts to develop an interest in the occult this has never been confirmed. This is, of course, you know, people allege there was some photos that were attributed to her being part of occult practices. But when you actually look at the photos, they're from a movie she was in. Yeah, yeah. It was stills from a movie. People, you know, started to say, oh, well, this was really, this wasn't a movie. This was on, you know, something she was doing that somebody just happened to photo. No, it's from a movie. Yeah. Um. So... In 1969, Roman is heading to London to film a movie. Before he leaves, he has this like vision or thought pop into his head. Mm -hmm. After seeing like Sharon walks out of a room and he, he has this thing pop up where it's, it says to him, you'll never see her alive again. Mm. But of course now... He's getting ready to fly. He blows it off as, you know, she's pregnant. I'm nervous. I got to fly, you know, to Europe and, you know, just travel jitters, right? Yeah, yeah. But here's the sad thing. Sharon Tate is murdered along with a few of her friends within a couple of days. Mm. Now, the murders were perpetrated by the group that's known as the Manson family, right? Yeah, yeah. The night after the Sharon Tate's murder, the Manson family goes on to kill the LaBianca family in their home. At both scenes, the words Helter Skelter and Piggies are written in the victim's blood on the walls. Hmm. Okay. Manson... Not even a human being, just a pile of shit and scumbag. And all these people that worship him are slightly 
special in my book. Yeah. Um, Manson thought the Helter Skelter was a message from the Beatles to kick off a race war. This, you know, Manson's, if people who have ever researched Manson, a great book if you ever want to read about this whole time frame and some weird stuff that goes on around the Manson family. It's a book called Chaos, uh, The Secret History of the 60s and the CIA. Great book. I actually recommend it to a lot of people, and they've all loved it. I've mm. read it twice. I've given my nephew a copy of it. Um, it's not about the Mansons or, or their sick beliefs. Mm -hmm. It's about things that may tie some of Manson's behavior to some government projects around mm. that time, MK Ultra and stuff like that. Very well-researched book. It's not a book that tells you what to think. It just presents evidence. It prevent, presents the your availability to go research it for yourself, find the documents that tie all these people together. Yeah. Okay. But enough on Manson. <laughs> now, Roman Plansky's life falls apart after this, right? He's arrested for drugging and molesting a young girl. Jesus. He only spends, he only spends 42 days in prison, is allowed out and flees the United States. Um, since then, he will not enter any country that has an extradition treaty with the U.S. He is still making movies. He has won Oscars in the last, like, 10 years. He's never stood, you know, he's never stood for his crimes. He's He's been able to stay in France and countries like that that won't expedite him back here. Jesus. So... That's, you know, the Sharon Tate part of this. But there's some conspiracy now that involve, like I said, this is all going to tie up in a big bow by the time I'm done. Were the Beatles involved in satanic rituals? Or did Roman himself sacrifice his wife to have a hit movie? What, what do you mean? Like, the, he offered her up, so, like, by giving her up... You have a hit movie. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so, the White Out contains Helter Skelter songs titled mm -hmm. Helter Skelter and Pigs, mm -hmm. which were written and recorded with Mia Farrow present, who played in Rosemary's Baby. Hmm. Okay? Like I said, this is all going to tie up. Of course, you know, the Beatles denounce the murders, the implications that their song is some kind of, you know, Hidden secret message. message. Yeah, yeah. Now, Lennon is quoted as saying, all that Manson stuff was built around George's song, Pigs, and Paul's song, Helter Skelter, about an English fairground. It had nothing to do, nothing to do with anything, and at least of all, anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. Okay, fast forward 11 years. John Lennon and Yoko Ono are living in the Dakota. Mm -hmm. Okay. For three months, Mark David Chapman was planning on murdering John Lennon. Okay. Mm -hmm. they To the point on the night that he does murder Lennon, 
he's in a picture getting an autograph from John Lennon earlier in the night. Jeez. On it's uh, you can find it online. It is a real picture. Like mm. it's not doctor in any way. No, I mean the original isn't. There might be doctored images with Bigfoot and Jesus in the background. Who knows? <laughs> so on December eighth, nineteen eighty, Chapman asked Lennon for an autograph as he and Yoko are heading out for the evening. I believe they were heading to a recording session. Mm-hmm. So later that evening, around 10.50 p.m., Lennon and Yoko return to the Dakota. Chapman shoots Lennon twice in the back and twice in the shoulder. After that, Chapman just goes, sits down, and waits for the police to show up. Okay. So allegedly, while waiting to considering if he should finally do this and kill Lennon, Chapman saw Mia Farrell walk by took it as a sign to commit the murders or well, the murder. Yeah. Okay. So remember they're living in the Dakota, right? I said that. Mm-hmm. The Dakota is where Rosemary's baby was. The same building that Robert Evans had those weird feelings at while filming Rosemary's baby. The building itself has a history of hauntings and paranormal events. Hmm. Lennon himself reported seeing a ghost of a woman walking the hallways and crying, which was corroborated by several workers in the building who had also seen the same spirit doing the same thing dating back to the 1960s. Holy shit. Lennon himself also claims to have seen a UFO while looking out the windows of the Dakota out of his apartment or his house, his living area in the Dakota. Wow. Yoko claimed that after John was murdered, she saw him and even spoke to him in their apartment. Hmm. Now, many of the Dakota's famous residents have also died at an early age. Now, they didn't necessarily die in the Dakota, but they died early. So yeah, give you just three. Okay. Marilyn Monroe dies at 36 of bar- barbiturate overdose. Judy Garland, who lived at the Dakota at one point, dies at 47 of a self-overdose of barbiturates. Hmm. And Judy Holiday dies at 43 of breast cancer. So now the question is, is it the movie or is it the building? The movie's filmed in the building. The building already has a history of paranormal, strange events, people dying young. Yeah. You know, it's an old building. So you start to tie all this together. You have Mia Farrow who's in the movie, Mia Farrow who's present when the white album is written and recorded. Mark David Chapman claims that I've seen Mia Farrow. Yo. Or is it Mia Farrow? Because <laughs> I mean, then you have Sharon Tate's murder. Sharon 
Aaron Tate's also in the movie, wanted to play the part Mia Farrow got. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if they were, Roman was the director you know, of the movie, I'm sure he introduced his wife. They were probably friendly. You know, you yeah. basically, basically I blame John Lennon. <laughs> if he vetoes those two songs going on the White Album, we don't have all this. We just have a really good movie with some scary coincidences that tie to it. I don't know. I, I kind of thinking it could be the building, like you said. It's just maybe it was the building kind of calling out, like when the dude had his first walkthrough, like you said, when uh, he was more or less like scouting out the building and whatnot and had that kind of creepy vibe. And it's almost like the building, him going in there is the bill, the building's way of kind of acknowledging the film and what was to go on. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, it almost like pieced together all those parts with its occupants. And what, I don't know. It's just kind of very bizarre. Yeah. I mean, the building could, the building could have its own bad, you know, energy to it. Yeah. Again, it's another movie about the devil, mm-hmm. you know, satanic stuff. Um, you know, again, it's, you know, you, you call it in, it comes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but, I just like to blame, you know, the Beatles. Because <laughs> everybody knows. I, love, I, I can't say it's the Beatles. I, the Beatles are phenomenal. Well, see, that's the thing. You're you're a Beatles fan. I'm a Stones fan. Yeah. So yeah. I like the Stones too, but, you know. Oh, the yeah. Beatles, like the the Beatles have a personal connection because of my dad, you know. Yeah. We, we, I, I learned how to play guitar with, you know, my dad teaching me Beatles songs so yeah yeah I, I the Beatles have some good songs don't get me wrong oh, yeah. I love the Sgt. Pepper's album I mean oh, that whole album's great which also has tons of crazy conspiracies around it too so oh yeah yeah for sure but yeah so I mean you know when you get down to the Dakota the it's like bits and pieces all tie back to the movie but they also all tie back to the building yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind going and checking out the Dakota someday. Just, you know, snooping around. Mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder if it still has the same uh, level of um, celebrity occupants. Because if it does, I don't think we'd get anywhere near it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know like much about who would be living in there now. I'm sure there's still famous people that live in it. Like it, yeah, it's still kind of a New York City landmark, and I'm sure yeah. it was like I said, it, it it was or is you know a relatively famous spot to live. So I'm sure you'd still have a higher end clientele to it. Famous yeah. people. Hmm. I don't know. But what I do know is that concludes the last 
of the topics for tonight's show. We covered the Poltergeist, The Omen, and Rosemary's Baby, all three films that held some sort of very creepy, very dark extraterrestrial, or not extraterrestrial, paranormal kind of connection that uh, really made these movies stand out. And again, like we did mention uh, before, there there were some other movies that have curses and, and bad juju kind of tied to them and whatnot. But these three in particular are ones that we wanted to cover tonight that just, there's too many things that went on that, that make it coincidental. It, it, there's There's something more sinister more higher level different plane kind of thing going on that just kind of really is bizarre and and to go back to your question there chad about the dakota i'd almost be afraid to go in there and 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 i'd be almost afraid that something would attach itself yeah well i mean maury povich lives there nowadays oh really and Connie yeah, no, in our luck, we'd go in there and be like, you guys are the fathers of these illegitimate children. <laughs> the, the test results are in. <laughs> that was a little bit more of a Larry King impersonation than Maury Povich, but you know what I mean. It was close. It was pretty deep. Yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. But all right. So that said, that was the show for tonight. Chad, thank you so much for putting all this together. This was awesome. I was really excited about this show. And I hope everybody who is tuning in, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Andy, thank you for all your your questions. And it's good to see Matt Hummel joined in there. It's good to see you, buddy. Um, Yeah, so thank you all very much. And if you don't mind doing us a favor, share this show. Tell your friends about it. We're really trying to find ways to um gain more following gain more uh what do you call it? followers and viewers and subscribers build up our page yeah subscribers to our channel on youtube followers on our facebook page um we actually just got a comment posted on one of our past shows about how people don't understand why we don't have more subscribers and followers that's a question chad and i ask ourselves all the time when we talk what are we doing wrong what do we need to do so i always found that in the past word of mouth is worth its weight in gold so please anybody listening share the show tell your friends about us like subscribe share follow do all that stuff on on our media outlets we would greatly appreciate it and um, if you do listen to our archive shows, we're like I said, we're on Spotify, um, Google Play, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts. Just search Explorer Seekers of the Truth. Find us, rate us, give us a five-star review, please, so we can start ranking and, and just get out there more. Because the more traffic we have on those podcast platforms, um, the more they're going to like push us to the forefront and more people are going to find us and and we could only, you know, we could only get there with with your help. So uh, again, we, we just ask that you guys do that for us. And thank you all very, very much for tuning in. Chad, thank you for putting the show together tonight and 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 always being here with me, buddy. I I, I appreciate it. Yep, no problem. And also, if you are a member of our Facebook group, feel free to like share and comment on stuff on there too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, 
there, there's so much cool stuff out there and you know we don't necessarily have all you know tons of time to scroll through stuff but if you see something cool send it to us you know yeah yeah we'll take a look at it maybe it's something we could talk about on the show or you know just have a good lively you know chat on the uh in the comment section sometimes yeah. on some of those yeah. articles and stuff i mean or any any topics that you guys find that you think we should talk about share yeah. it or or dm us or whatever yeah. PM, DM, whatever, you know, whatever it's called now. And actually, April has a good point there. Hi, April. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, she says there aren't alerts on reminders on Facebook anymore. Hmm. Well, I do know that there are reminders and alerts on YouTube. So follow us on both places. You'll get a reminder from YouTube and then you can watch us on either platform you prefer. Uh, like I said in the beginning, you could comment under YouTube, the, the show on YouTube, the show on Facebook. We'll see it on the back end in our interface, and we'll be able to interact like we did tonight with, with uh, especially Cindy. She's always throwing uh, good stuff out there. So, And she got the live reminder, but it was probably from YouTube. Yep, so go to both of them. Like, subscribe, hit the notifications or ring the bell, whatever the hell people say anymore. But anyways, I, I'm drawing this out. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Chad. We'll see you guys in two weeks. And we'll let you know uh, later on what our next topic is. We'll let you know on Facebook and YouTube. So good night, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.